Welcome back to Notes from the North, your go-to Minnesota Vikings podcast. Before we get started, we want to offer thanks to purpleptsd.com and vikingsterritory.com for giving us a chance to post our podcast over there. Sure to check out great Vikings coverage over at purpleptsd.com and vikingsterritory.com. Welcome to Notes from the North with Kyle and Sam. Well, welcome back, everyone. Sam here, along with Kyle, and uh, we're recording Saturday morning here. Makes sense. We got a holiday Monday, uh, but a couple of pieces of Vikings news uh, mm-hmm. recently here. I think probably again, this is kind of uh, the time of the season, and it'll be in this for a little while where there's speculation city, right? Um, yeah. yeah, I know we can talk a little bit about Zadarius Smith's house be on the market and all these yeah. things. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, for me personally, I feel like it's not really worth touching on too much because um, these things yeah. happen and and really we don't have the full story. Uh, so until something actually is announced by Smith himself or the team, it feels like we yeah. can leave it there. But the probably outside of that, the biggest news has been the Brian Flores presser. And yeah. so I know that's something that you have consumed and, and watched. I know there's some some worthwhile quotes, I guess, that, that have come out of that. But but what's your first impressions as you watched that press conference? Yeah, I think like everybody else, you know, just impressed, excited. Uh, um, he and O'Connell seem to have good chemistry already. Uh, I kind of like that he was just – he seemed very – kind of even keel, kind of seem to have a quiet confidence, knows who he is and what he wants to accomplish and how he wants to accomplish it. And, um, you know, confirm that they're going to stay at a 3-4, but also kind of add in that caveat where, you know, who are we playing this week kind of thing. So it's like, you know, if the opponent, if it's better to be 4-3, then damn it, we're going to be a 4-3. And it's not what he said, but, you know, he's, you know it, that was the idea in the sense of he can be quite flexible uh, in his approach, but he does want to um, be aggressive, be physical. I mean, every coach says this, right? But then we, you know, we saw it. I think part of the appeal for Flores right now is that he appears so much different than Donatel. And I think Donatel initially was appealing because he was so much different than Zimmer. You know, where Zim could be kind of um, abrupt and a little bit terse and just kind of. Um, not harsh with the media, but not particularly outgoing, where Donatel was so outgoing, so upbeat, so positive, so energetic, you know, by the end of the year it became annoying, I think, to a lot of Vikings fans, you know, especially leading into the playoff week where Donatel was saying, you know, some of the effect of, oh, you guys are going to like what you see, this is our kind of shine, you know, when they go out and Daniel Jones looks like Fran Tarkenton 2.0, and you're thinking, oh, crap, man, you know, and people are just very, very frustrated, I think, with the whole relentless positivity by the end. Um, especially, you know, Sam and I were just talking about this. Minnesota fans can be quite jaded and quite uh, skeptical. And so, like, the relentless positivity after being so bad for so long uh, didn't sit well, I think, with a lot of people. Where I think Flores seemed to kind of strike a bit of a balance where he's he's got his head screwed on straight. And uh, he mentioned, you know, I'm going to keep my – I'm going to be where my feet are, I think is what he said, something to that effect when it comes to – potential head coach opportunities in the future. Um, and the one thing that really jumped out to me, and I don't know if really many people have talked about this. I got a piece coming out on Sunday where I talk about this a little bit. Um, 
I like that he said, I want my players to be joyful on the field. I want them to experience joy and happiness when they're playing football. Um, how long has it been since we've had a joyful defense? 2019, probably. Or no, sorry, not even 2019. 2018, right? Or wait a second. 2020, 21, 22. Yeah, 2019. Okay, I'm in, I'm in the time warp still. Past three seasons have not been good. Four seasons ago was good, right? And so it's been a long time since we've had a joyful defense, right? Where guys are flying. It's one thing to say we're going to be physical. We're going to fly around. We're going to have fun to experience joy and, and to be just like thrilled. We're making plays, having a positive impact. Uh, we're buying into what the coaches is selling and preaching. Uh, I came away very impressed with Flores, mostly because of just the way he interacts with this dynamic with KO, but then also just even keeled, quiet confidence, neither very, very abrupt and kind of whatever, you're not hostile, but you know, quite abrupt with me. And nor was he like gushing over the top, positively like crazy. He just kind of seemed very level headed. And Minnesota sports can use level headed. So I, I was I was very impressed with Flores. Yeah, well, I think we and we talked about this last year when when Kevin O'Connell was introduced. Like the press conference is your first impression, and in a sense, it's it is yep. easy enough to present well, but also there is the possibility that you don't present well or you don't. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Make a good first impression, and then it's really hard to recover. Yeah, uh, and yep. so again, saying a lot of good things, but. I think realistically there is a little bit of what you can do in these press conferences and, and look back as, as the history and the body of work that exactly. the coach has exactly. done. And yeah. I think there is enough of a precedent here that you can say, you know what, like there is like, we can see the possibility. You can see a little bit of the integration of what it would look yeah. like for this Vikings defense. And I I'm really, I'm just curious about how, much of a difference a coach can make. I think they yep. do make a significant difference. I think in a sense, yep. coaching in the NFL versus coaching in many other leagues, I, I think yep. the coaching is so vitally important to the success of a team. Agreed. Yeah. Like it, I don't, I actually don't think that there is a possibility. Like I think coaching in the NFL is the most important coaching in any of the major sports. I, I'm glad to hear yes. arguments yes. Uh, against that, but yeah. it, it just feels like because of you are making decisions, hundred like a hundred decisions a game. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and so I, I just, again, I think there's some, some excitement there. Uh, the, the joy piece is interesting because I, I have seen lots of different quotes, but yeah. it is kind of interesting as I think back to this Vikings defense that I've seen, there is uh, a lack of joy. I guess really you notice it in the lack of energy. I, exactly. I think, exactly. I think that that's one of the things that I did appreciate about a Duke Shelley coming in is that it felt like he was the one player on the team that actually like brought some energy. Exactly. And it would be interesting yeah. to see that unlocked a little bit more consistently with some of these yeah. guys. And I guess, again, yeah. there's a personality aspect to players. Like some are going to be more, um, bring that more than others. But I think that was maybe one of the biggest noticeable yep. factors when you saw Zimmer at the end of his tenure, it just felt like uh, there wasn't a whole lot of excitement uh, around the team. Yeah. And even there's yeah. a little bit of miserableness that was, that was yeah. present. Uh, and so I, yeah. I see what you're saying. And I think that that is something that's um, 
we just hope to see that as uh, at the at the as the season comes. And it starts up top. It it starts up top, and I think and I agree with it. Like coaching is more important in the NFL than it is in the other three major professional sports in North America. Um, I 100% agree with that. And really, if you have a coach who is um, just way too heavy-handed or way too strict or way too whatever, like that permeates the locker room and the culture of your roster. These guys are only human, of course. you know. And, and this is someone who's supposed to be leading these guys right, and setting the tone. Um, so I, I, I could just completely agree with that. And so Flores to kind of come in and where he's got that track record you know, in Miami where he was the main architect of that defense and, and so on and so forth. You know, he was the head coach as well, but, you know, he had that authority to kind of shape the defense in his own image. Uh, that gives him a lot more credibility, I think, whereas Donatel, there was maybe a lot of enthusiasm, but also kind of wondering, you know, Fangio was the dude in Denver. So, I mean, can Donatel replicate it? Because, like, Denver's got a legit defense, right? Like, and even this year, they were a good defense. Um but Donatella, in the end, it didn't really work out particularly well. So where I think that Flores, there's already more enthusiasm given that he had that authority in Miami. And then now, uh, potentially to to replicate things here in Minnesota, not saying that it's going to be, we're automatically a top 10 group or anything like that. But um, certainly hoping for a noticeable improvement. For sure. It's it's the the area of this team that you can see has the biggest room to grow uh, yes, and and so I think that's exciting. So again, I, I think it's it's neat to to get these guys in front of a mic and just see uh, both how they present, but also that you talked about the chemistry between him and and Kevin O'Connell. Exactly. Uh, yep. Just again, we're keeping things a little bit brief today, but uh, transitioning the, the other piece of Vikings news would be a couple of signings, and so yeah. again. We're not going to see the big major moves at this point of the offseason uh, in terms of signings per se. Like you've got, you're going to have your own players you're going to manage, and there might be some some big Vikings news that comes out, whether it's restructuring or um, yeah, decisions that are made on the players on the current roster. But what what can you say about the the these last couple signings that have happened since we last talked? Right. So, I mean, so one player for the D-line, one player for the O-line, both of whom are going to be, in all likelihood, depth options, like Randell, the offensive tackle, and Kyrie's Tonga, the defensive tackle, um, both of whom played quite well. You know, with you know, not, we're not saying that either were all pro level, but, you know, for depth pieces, you can win with them. You're happy to have them. They're exclusive rights free agents. Uh, and so each have been signed to the one year $940,000. And so if you got a backup offensive tackle who you feel quite confident can go to either spot and perform at a pretty good level. And in, in the meantime, and when he's not doing that, he can be kind of a versatile guy. He can move in and around, you know, a couple years ago, he, he was in the jumbo tight end package and he actually ran a couple routes. He was extra blocking. I think you feel great about that. You know what I mean? You, you feel great about Brenda. And then with Tonga, I mean, one thing you can't teach is size. You, either you have it or you don't. You know what I mean? Like, and so uh, he's got that size, which of course he loves to see in the interior. He's got pretty heavy hands, which which obviously is what you want for your your D tackles. You know, a little bit of electricity in your hands, where you can kind of get the offensive lineman back on his heels a little bit. You love to see that. That's precisely what you want. Uh, and he's still relatively young as well, right? He's only he's only been in the NFL for just a little bit of time now. So uh, this is not a 
home run necessarily. This isn't, you know, like getting Justin Jefferson, but this is, you know, this is getting on base. You get a single, you know, and, and getting a single right now in the offseason is pretty good. So why, why wouldn't you? And then especially, uh, especially the one thing I'll say, one other thing, Sam, is that Brian O'Neill is, is coming back from that Achilles, right? And so having someone who you feel quite confident in to maybe hold down the right tackle spot for who knows, like throughout the offseason, into the preseason, maybe week one, maybe week two, maybe longer. I, I don't know. I'm not a doctor and, and, and nor am I Brian O'Neill. So I can't really say how things are going with his body and with his Achilles. But um, what we do know is that O'Neill is coming off a significant injury, relatively speaking, you know, partially torn Achilles. And Brandell can do quite a nice job as a right tackle, not elite, but he can allow the offense to function. And uh, if you're getting that for less than a mil in the NFL, you've done quite well, I think. And and so I would say that these are both solid, nice, smart moves from Quasi to Benzo. Re- really nice. Yeah. Well, I, I think we, we just you know it that as much as you are in the business of creating the the best starting roster that you can, these depth pieces will play. Uh, yes. Exactly. And it's it's basically a foregone conclusion. And so you want to make sure that you have someone out there that, again, maybe isn't going to be a difference maker, but is at least going to be able to hold down the fort and be able to make sure that that you're in a position where you're not sacrificing uh, or you don't have a, a major weakness, especially on uh, on the line. So yeah. so, again, I think those, that's a, a good summary of of where they're at. Again, I think we're just we're in the spot, right, where we're anticipating there will be bigger news that comes. But for yeah. now, this is what we've we've got. Uh, we'll wrap the Vikings talk there briefly. We'll talk about the Minnesota Wild again. This is Saturday morning, so the Minnesota Wild were part of a three-way trade last night. Uh, again, pretty minor involvement. Uh, receive a fourth, take on a bit of salary, trade away a prospect that seems like they actually were probably going to let go. Anyways, and I think they're really what this move shows is that the Wild understand that they're probably not going to be buyers at the deadline. They do have a significant amount of cap space mm-hmm. uh, in a sense. And so it'll be interesting to see how they manage it. But I think particularly with the way that the team has been playing the last couple of weeks, mm-hmm. uh, I think that they've shifted from a position where they felt like maybe they were going to be buyers or significant buyers to maybe they are sellers or maybe they just kind of are in a spot where they wait and see you know what, what's going to be a deal that makes sense for us as a hockey team, both this year and moving forward. Yeah. So, um, yeah. That's a fine perspective too, where it's like, if we do have remaining cap space, maybe we're neither a buyer or seller, we're merely a facilitator. And so if there's an opportunity to maybe facilitate one more, I mean, you, you can't do that. You only get three of these a year where you can retain salary. I believe Sam, yep. you, you, you would know better than me, but, um, Perhaps they can do this one more time or, you know, whatever it is. And maybe they just have to facilitate. And um, it's not particularly exciting, frankly, but no. it, it it is something, I suppose. It's it's something you again, you they've they've uh, got themselves in there. They've essentially bought themselves a draft pick. Yeah, um, that's right. And that's they've, right. they've as we talked about last week, they're they have a very good history of of drafting uh, so far. And so Capra's off. Fifth, wasn't he? Yep. Caprasov yep. was fifth. But again, we can always look at the outliers, the examples of the, the star exactly. players yeah, that were, were right. there. But realistically, the Wild have shown that they have had a lot of success in drafting quality players, especially in the later rounds, which is 
significant. And so putting a fourth in the hands of uh, Minnesota wild scouting department is different than, than maybe another team. And so I think you, like you Toronto's. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, yeah. But seriously, that is, uh, we'll wrap up there. Uh, thanks everyone for listening and uh, yeah, we'll stay tuned for, for more future episodes and, and we'll see what uh, comes down the, the news stream here. So everyone have a good week and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon.